Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. Our guest today is the marvelous Mr. Maisel. Joel Maisel actually is his character. Michael Zegan plays Joel Maisel on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He is on Broadway again in the amazing breakout play Trouble in Mind, which had its original off-Broadway debut in 1955, was optioned to come to Broadway, and through some reasons that we get into in the episode, didn't have its Broadway debut until now, this year, 2021. It's an amazing show. Go see it. It's playing now. Make sure to find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review. And now, everybody, please enjoy this episode with Michael Zegan. Here you go. One, two, three. Our guest today may be most well known for his various roles on TV, including Joel Maisel on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Damian Keefe on Rescue Me, in addition to various roles on Boardwalk Empire, The Walking Dead, and Girls. He also has lots of stage experience, having made his Broadway debut in A View from the Bridge from 2015, and he is currently on the Broadway stage again, opposite LaShans, in the amazing breakout play Trouble in Mind. Michael Zegan, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. I want to dive straight into Trouble in Mind because there is so much to cover. I saw the play uh, about a week and a half ago and was just was just blown away. And if it was not set in in a with period costumes, with obviously in sort of a you can tell it's it's set in like the the forties fifties, like an older time period, right? Because that's stylistically how it was presented. But if it was put on in a modern set with modern clothing, the story is is very applicable to now. And that is not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, even, even if it was set during that time period, but written now, you know, you'd still believe it. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, it's kind of sad. It's just, you know, nothing's changed. So for those for those who don't quite understand what we're talking about yet, yeah, Trouble in Mind, written by Alice Chil- Alice Childress, is a, a playwright, and it was she was a a black woman playwright um, who when was it originally written the the nineteen fifty five nineteen fifty five right that's when the first uh, incarnation of it was produced off Broadway right so nineteen fifty five off Broadway was optioned to come to Broadway and the white male producers wanted her to rewrite the ending to make white men seem your character seem more likable more favorable and she wouldn't do it so now after her death here in 2021 is the broadway premiere of her play written in 1955 right that is insane and it's it's bittersweet um because we, you know, our actually our lighting designer uh, worked with Alice uh, towards the, the end of her life. She she had I guess he, she had done the last few plays of hers, and she said, you know, she talked to us and she said that Alice, uh, I guess you know, towards the end of her of her life, she she really you know she she felt like she had to get 
this play especially to Broadway. She, she, you know, she wanted something of hers to go to Broadway because none of her plays had ever reached Broadway. And I, I think she has a good amount. Like she, she wrote like 10 plays and none of them, mm-hmm. you know, reached Broadway. And, and uh, she just felt like she had to do it. She had to get it done. And, and she, she didn't, she, she died, but you know, years, I think in 94. And uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's bittersweet. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it is, it is kind of sad that she didn't live to see it. Do you, I guess there, there is obviously some very heavy, um, racial, racial topics that are still dealt with, uh, that we're dealing with today that of course were written about in the play that were, that you're dealing with in, in the play, how as a cast, like as, as real people, right. As Michael and Lashans and Chuck Cooper and the other amazing individuals in the cast, some white and some black, how did all of you work with the direction, the production team to, to really approach this as individuals and still like, I guess for you, right. Your character of Al Manners is, a product of the times. I don't want to say he's mean just to be mean, but he's mean because that's how white men acted right. at that time. So how do you, how did you all approach that as a cast and as individuals um, when creating the whole show? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's really all there on the page is there's not much I can do. We don't, we don't have the playwright in the room to, kind of, right. you know, help us along. So it's, it's really, you just kind of have to follow the script. I mean, yeah, sure. It's a product of the times. He, you know, he, he is the kind of personification of white privilege. Um, what little we know about him. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, I guess it also helps having um, a black director and, and black actors, um, you know, with us in the rehearsal room so that, so that somebody like me does feel okay with, with saying the things that I'm saying, um, because it's it, it would be tough if if that wasn't the case. Right. Like when, you, when you see the play, you'll you'll see. I, I mean, I say some horrible things. Right. Right. And and I guess there's this, this speaks to you as an actor too, because it comes across. Uh, I, I don't I don't walk out of the play angry with with you, angry with Al Manners. I right. I'm I walk out thinking as a, as a more global, uh, I guess a more existential topic of like, this has to change. It, we've literally 1955, this was written and we're still dealing with these similar issues now. And it's, right. it's really, it's really not that great. Um, and, and, you know, sorry, for those who don't know what the play is about, it's, it's, it's about a, uh, a play being put on. I mean, it's a, it's a play within a play. It's, it's, it's about, uh, this, uh, new play coming to Broadway and uh, it's the play itself, the play within the play is about a, a lynching in the South. And, uh, and my character is this white director who's, who's uh, come from Hollywood to make his Broadway debut directing this play. And uh, the play, you know, has some big parts for black actors, but um, the kind of the entire uh, time, these black actors are kind of, uh, lamenting the fact that they're relegated to stereotypes, mm-hmm. and that, that's pretty much it. In a you know, I mean, there's more to it, obviously, but uh, that's kind of a a little bit of a description. No, it's it's really it's really interesting to see, especially the 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 um, the way that the different um, 
characters, the 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 black actors playing their characters, um, like Chuck Cooper's character, for example, is is obviously affected by the racism, but he's an older guy who has just been like, well, screw it, I have to fit in. I have to just agree with everything. Otherwise, yes. I'm never going to have a career. And so obviously, there's that one moment that I, I don't want to spoil for people who haven't seen it, but that one moment where he gets real for a second yeah. and then just like, well, okay, yeah, that's... um. You know, not this. This is this is my life. This is who I am, and it, it makes me so disappointed and so sad as a as a society, and in sort of the same way, like in a good way, in a reflective way, right? These are this is a story that needs to be told, and I am so unbelievably happy that this work, this play, has by Alice Childress has finally made it to the Broadway stage. And so, going back to to you, then your career has. I mean, you started in. 2004 I think with a with a small part on the sopranos and you were 25 26 at the time I think right I was uh t- no it was um I mean I was 23 when I did the sopranos but uh yeah I mean I I got out of school in 2001 came to New York and uh I started doing the letterman show actually uh I was doing a character on the letterman show and Oh really? Uh, yeah. Yeah it was like a weekly gig um I didn't know it was going to be weekly at the time, but it ended up being weekly because he liked me. But I, I, I played uh, Dwight the Troubled Teen. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So at what point in your childhood were you, did, did you have sort of that moment where you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an actor? And was it theater specific or was it TV film specific? I think, well, first of all, uh, I can't remember a time when I didn't want to be an actor. Um, I, I, I begged my parents to to let me be an actor when I was five years old. I remember there, there was a kid in my elementary school who was doing uh, all these commercials and he was on soap operas and whatever. And uh, so he, he, uh, I, you know, I was insanely jealous. He was in every toy commercial and cereal commercial. And I just, I, I wanted that. So I think that's where it originally stemmed from. I'm also a middle child. Maybe that has something to do with it. You know? <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, so we, we weren't that far from the city. My dad, uh, well, before COVID, he commuted, uh, to the city every day cause he's, he's a lawyer and, uh, you know, it's only, it's, it's like, uh, uh probably a 40 minute bus ride mm-hmm. from Ridgewood, New Jersey. But yeah, so I begged them, but I guess my parents, they, they thought, you know, they wanted me to have a normal life, which I, I, I understand <laughs> in hindsight, <laughs> but I still, I would have had no regrets. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, I love everything. I love, my parents always took me to theater and they, they, they still see a lot of Broadway. Uh, you know, they always took me to see everything. And I grew up doing musicals, doing these Saturday classes with all these kids. And I, I just, I loved it. I loved it. So it, it wasn't necessarily a, a choice between mediums. I mean, I would have done anything. I, 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 I love, I grew up watching TV too. You know, I love TV. I love movies and I love theater and they're all different, but, um, but I love them. I love them in their own ways. So I never, so, really, I, I never had like, you know, I, I just wanted to do it all. Well, you've had, you've got a, a very busy TV career now. Are you taking a break from TV and film to do Trouble in Mind on stage right now? Because you know the eight show a week thing is a it's a commitment. Yeah, there's no time to do anything else. Uh, but I I filmed this last season uh, from January till uh, July till the like towards the end of July, 
Then I had like, I think two weeks off and then I did a movie and then right into the play. Like I didn't even have, I didn't even have a day off. I just, I wrapped the movie and then the next day started the play. Wow. So it was a little, um, <laughs> it was a little, a little hectic for a, a, a bit, but to be honest, I mean, after being off for so long, you know, during, during the quarantine and everything and not working, it's, it just feels good. I just, I don't, I don't need any breaks. I like, I would like like a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get like Mondays, Mondays are dark, right? <laughs> yeah. You get Mondays, but it's just not enough sometimes. No, I know. I know. And, uh, I would like a weekend, like a weekend, you know, but um, it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. These are good problems to have. Uh, so you were in the middle of what season three when, when COVID shut down production? No, we were done. Uh, we, we had finished season three and, and I, I was doing um, another play. I was doing uh, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice Yes, for the new group, which was a, a Duncan Sheik musical. Mm-hmm. We got shut down, but we only had a, about a week left. So that was okay. You know, we had, we'd been doing it for months at that point. So I felt like we, we put in our time. We, you know, I know people who, who were in, uh, who were making their Broadway debut and got shut down mm-hmm. and never to come back. So, uh, so I feel very fortunate that, that we had, we had done most of the run of that show. Yeah. I, I have told the story a couple of times in the podcast. It was uh, March 12th, 2020, right. When Broadway got shut down, that was when six was supposed to open. Right. And right. five of the six Queens were okay. making their Broadway debuts. And oh, luckily, okay. luckily they all came, you know, the show came back, but yeah, there yeah. were a lot of people that, you know, whole productions that just got completely lost and canceled. So you are extremely busy. Obviously, you're just, you're saying you're fitting in whole stage productions in between filming this, uh, this, this role that has become very, part of a show that's become very iconic to our culture and our zeitgeist now. And Like Rescue Me has been great. Sopranos has been great. Uh, Girls has been great. I was I had like one little scene, but it was that's how I got my SAG card, and and I was such a fan of the show. You know, my parents were such fans of the show. It was season five, so I'd watched the show, and then to be right. on it was was crazy. But it was just a small part. I can't say I was a cast member of The Sopranos or anything like that. Oh no, I know. I'm. I mean, what I was getting at was was that now. Um, people, actors can go their whole careers, their whole lives and never get the opportunity that you have now, right? Because you, oh, you've sure. got a popular role in, a, in an extremely popular show and it's going to lead you to, it's, it's opening, I assume it's opening more doors than you could have imagined previously, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I would have even gotten this play had I not been on Maisel. I, I know that, well, I mean, I had worked for Roundabout before, but um, but our director Charles, you know, he hired me because of Maisel because he he loves that show and he thought I'd be right for it, and uh, and you know, I happen to agree. I but, think, yeah, of course, it's it's certainly open doors. It's a it's a huge show, um, and uh, I'm not taking it for granted. I you know, I realize how fortunate I am. So, looking back then on five year old Michael. Of yeah. want to be want to be an actor growing up doing musicals and and whatnot, and mm-hmm. now you're on the other side of it. You can you've, you're established. You've got credits. You've got major credits and stage and screen and TV. And is it is it what you had expected it would be? And if like if not, I guess in a in a 
how how different is it now <laughs> than what you expected it would be as as young Michael? Um, I guess maybe young Michael would have thought it it, it would have happened sooner. <laughs> um, but that's just not reality. It's 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 a hard business. It's a really mm-hmm. tough business, and you know, I, I I went to Skidmore College, which is a great school and has a great theater department. But we don't have, or at the time, they didn't have a, uh, a showcase, you know, for agents or anything like that. And uh, these days, you know, getting, I mean, it's always been the case that getting an agent is, is really half the battle. If you want to start auditioning, you need somebody to get you the auditions. And, um, and, and finding that, that person is, is really tough. So mm-hmm. having a showcase really helps you. And, and it took me a while to get an agent. So that's, that was, a, you know, a setback. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm very thankful. It, it, age really doesn't matter that much. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's about the journey. That's what they say. Uh, but, uh, you know, and everybody has their own path and all these cliches, but, but it's, uh, but it's, it's true. It's, you know, it, 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 it didn't happen earlier, but I, it really doesn't matter. Well, I guess what Morgan Freeman famously didn't have his breakout role until he was 50. Right. So, you know, if you, if you stick with it, good things will come. If you're a good person, that's, I mean, that's what I always tell people. Just keep going. Just, you know, just, just keep at it. If this is something that you feel like, uh, you know, you have to do and there's nothing else in the world that you could possibly do, then, then you have no other choice and you have to see it through. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. So going back to what you said about having it be difficult to find an agent, I'm everybody has a different story. I'm so curious to hear yours because some people just show up to New York being the star of their local production and they're like, I'm here in New York. And then they get beat down and leave and don't understand the process of this being a business. This is show business. So I think you coming in and out of the city and being in New Jersey so close to the city, you have a, a, a different perspective of how to show up and and realize what the steps are that are needed to to get the agent but i i'm so curious as to how that happened for you well i i had had a kind of a crash course in in uh learning about agents because i i i guess it was during my summer the the summer going into my senior year of college i uh i found a a a job listing on playbill.com and uh it was it was as an intern for a casting director and i got the job it was didn't pay at all. Uh, but you know, I just wanted to immerse myself in the business and, and see what that was like. And she happened to be a really big casting director and she did some very, very large movies. And I was the intern and I was the guy, uh, I was the guy on the camera, you know, who was operating the the video camera when all these people came into audition. And I, I learned so much just from being in that room and seeing what, you know, she liked and, and, or didn't like, or, and, and also just learning about agencies in general, learning about who the good agents are, who, who are the ones, you know, who are, who are not going to get their clients in the room. Um, so it, it was really, it was, it was so instrumental in, in my career. Cause then the following year I, I knew exactly who to write to, not that any of them responded, but you know, I, I just, 
because um, because back in those days it was like you know send a headshot and resume and cover letter to these agencies and and maybe somebody will respond and you know nobody did but um, <laughs> even even people who I had talked to not on a daily basis but uh, you know because these agents would call up the office and I'd talk to them and they'd be all friendly trying to get their clients in and and I didn't know any better I was just I just thought I was making connections and then I you know when I when I was in college, I would write them and nobody responded. So it's all good. Um, I'm sure they regret it now, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually, I, I ran into, I was, I guess it was, it was also that summer. Um, I ran into a, uh, a friend of mine who I'd gone to high school with, who was older than me. And I ran into him at like a July 4th party and we started talking and he was like, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm a theater major. I want to be an actor. And he was like, oh, well, I happen to work at a talent management company. Uh, it, it happened to be a, a, uh, a, a management company for little kids uh, in New Jersey. But, uh, but I, he was like, do you want to audition? And I said, yeah. And, and literally the next day, he sent me an audition for like, you know, a, a commercial. And, and that was it. That started it. And, uh, and then, the, you know, when I graduated, I... I he was sending me out and I was going on all kinds of auditions and that's really what, what's, what's kind of started the whole thing. So I just had this, this one in and, you know, and, uh, and it worked out. It, I, I think I, I got letter, I got the Letterman show through him and, you know, I was able to take it so far. And then, and then I, I met somebody else and signed with them and, you know, he was, it was, a, it was a little kids management company. I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was 22 at the time and I was just like, I, I need, I need somebody who reps kind of adults, even though I looked like a little kid for all intents and purposes, but, uh, but I wasn't. And, and I needed, I needed some, some adult management. They got a very healthy mustache going on right now. Right? I don't, I don't, I don't think, think I could have this at that, at that point, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the mustache, I grew a mustache um, once and never again, because <laughs> my wife, my wife didn't like it. Yeah. This, uh, I don't mind it, <laughs> but uh, I'm ready for uh, for it to be gone. Is Joel Joel Maisel gonna have a mustache in the next season? No, no. Apparently, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Amy Sher- Amy Sherman Palladino came to the show, and apparently, she was not a fan of the mustache. So. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I don't think it's in the cards. How how much of of the business, and you've got such a a, a TV heavy. Um, list of credits, which I think it, I, I was going to say, I find it interesting, but I think it's all, like you said, it's, it's more about circumstance and, and just embracing opportunity as it comes to you. And, um, do you want to do more theater and musical theater specifically at all? Or are you kind of happy with the trajectory that you're on right now of being, um, more TV focused? Honestly, I just want to do good work. I, I, I don't really, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me whether it's a play or TV or film. I, I just want to do something that's good and I want to work with great people. I want to work with great directors, actors, um, writers. So for me, it's, it's, you know, I mean, let's be honest, like theater is, it's tough. It's all tough. They're all, they're all tough in their own ways, but theater is, you know, it's a grind. It's, it's eight shows a week. The rehearsal process, it's, it's eight hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. 
it's really, really hard. And there are just some days you're just like, no, I don't want to do this tonight, you know? And everybody feels like that. It's not just me. It's, you know, you go, you go to the, the theater and everybody's like, oh God, let's just get through this. And that doesn't mean we, we phone it in. You know, it, of course not. I, I, I bring it every night. But it's tough. It's tiring. It's, re- it's exhausting. And especially this play and my character in this play. And um, to do two of these shows a day is never easy. I don't care what play it is. But, um, so I just want to, I, I would love to do theater for the rest of my life. I, you know, I, like I said, I grew up doing theater and, and, uh, and I love it. There's nothing more satisfying. I think out of all the mediums, it's, 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 it's probably the most satisfying because it's that immediate gratification that you get and you get, you know, you're in front of a live audience and you feel that energy and, and, and personally, you know, when you, I, I get, I get worked up beforehand, I get a little nervous and, and uh, so it's that that buzz, that high that you feel afterwards that, you know, it, which is incomparable. I mean, like, you, you, I mean, you know, there's no drug that makes you feel that high. To, <laughs> I mean, I haven't tried that many drugs, but uh, <laughs> but, but I, I imagine, I mean, it's just a great feeling when, you know, and you just feel like you accomplished something and um, especially when they like it, <laughs> you know, when when the audience doesn't like it, that's a different story. But yeah, I just want to keep doing it forever, but I do need breaks in between. I did. I, uh, right. theater, you need, you need at least a year. Um, but you know, uh, in terms of musical theater, maybe, maybe, yeah, sure. I, I did, like I said, I did Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice and, and, uh, it was, it was, I mean, I don't, I don't read music. I can't read music. So it was a little tough for me learning harmonies and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I wanted, when I got offered the part, I'd, I'd worked with the new group before and I love working with them. And, uh, and, you know, Duncan Sheik, I, I saw spring awakening four Amazing. times. Amazing. And so to be able to, to, to work with him was great. And, um, and yeah, and it was also just a challenge to myself and it scared me. And, and, uh, you know, I've said it before, but like, you, as an actor, you want to be scared. You want to, you want to do things that scare you. And it's, it's only going to make you better as an actor. It's only going to make you, you know, more fearless. And, and I think all great actors are fearless. So it just builds confidence. You know, I, I can do that. I did it. I did a musical. I did a professional musical in New York. You know, I could say that now. And, mm-hmm. and that, was, that was something that was always on my bucket list. But yeah, I, I mean, if something comes along, I, I, uh, I would love to, I, I'm, I'm not like a singer per se. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, there are certainly people with better voices than me, but I can carry a tune and, um, people might say otherwise, but I, I <laughs> it's owning, it's owning what makes you, you, what makes you unique. And that's, yeah. that's, you know, the, all the successful people, yourself included that I've talked to, it's all about making choices, sticking with it. And I want to actually see if, you said all great actors are fearless. I want to sort of um, see if you would agree to change that to say all great actors embrace their fear. Because like you said, you get nervous before you go on. Yeah, I mean, sure. That, yes, that makes more sense. But to the general public, they seem fearless. Right. And that's, uh, maybe that's part of the acting, right? This is, yeah. and, and I, like, I like the social media aspect to an extent of being, uh, uh, being more... Um, able to access 
you know, the celebrities that people put on pedestals uh, in the past, right? Because I think it's really great when people talk about their own personal mental health struggles or um, are saying, you know, you have these big Broadway actors per se that are like, I got a call out of the show tonight. I'm just, I'm exhausted. I need a break. And it makes, it makes everyone remember that everybody's still human. At the end of the day, these are jobs. And like you just said, you get tired. You need breaks. You want a day off. That's, yeah. that's no different from anybody else. No, I, I'm not a huge social media fan. But, you know, when you put it like that, sure. But to be honest, I mean, most people on social media, I would say, are not great role models. <laughs> Probably not. But yeah, I mean, that. yeah, sure. That, that's, that's great. And um, it's great when people can connect um, to people who are famous or whatnot. Uh, and and see that they are human, um, but yeah, I do. It is. It's just. It's tough. To, it's all tough. Like even movies. I mean, you have to or TV. You know, Maisel. We this this year, especially because of the COVID rules, we had to we had to be there. You know, when we were filming, we had to be there like even earlier than we normally had to. So there were times I was waking up at three thirty in the morning, mm. and because I had I, you know I had to be picked up at four thirty. It's just it's. And then you, and then you have to act all day. Like, how do you do that? And then the next, I mean, Rachel uh, Brosnahan, she just has, it's a, it's obviously the role of a lifetime, but she, she's got a horrible schedule. I mean, it's like she films, you know, almost every day yeah. and she, she has, so clearly she has to wake up super early and, and, and she has to know her lines and, and uh, it's like, she has, um, somebody on set who, who just runs lines with her for the next day, you know, while she's shooting whatever scene she's doing, she's wow. running lines for the next day. Cause she has to. And, and, and on Maisel, everything has to be word perfect, kind of like a play. Mm-hmm. It has to be word perfect. You, there's no, you know, if you say that instead of the, you get a note. Um, and, and rightly so. I mean, it's, it's so well-written We, you know, we have the best writers in the business on this show with uh, Amy, Amy Sherman Palladino and Dan Palladino. And, um, so, so I have no problem with that. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with improv, but like, you know, it takes a little pressure off of you where it's, you know, sometimes you're, you're doing something, uh, like a, a movie or a TV show where they say, oh yeah, just improvise this. And it's like, oh God, like, what, what do I say? I want to be funny. I want to make a good impression, you know? So it, it that it takes some pressure off of you, but yeah, it's, it's a tough, it, I mean, that's a tough job. What do you do to focus on yourself when you have quiet moments when you do find the time for some downtime what do you do to to recharge um what do i do what do i do <laughs> i don't know it's been a while since i've been able to recharge uh i mean i you know i i love tv i love i love watching tv i i i, I like walking around the city listening to uh you know with my airpods in listening to music um, I go to the gym, you know, that's, that's nice. I, I, I've been slacking on the gym. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, and I, I, I try writing. I, I've been trying to put together, uh, some projects that hopefully, you know, that's, that's the next step in my career. Oh, that's cool. I was going to ask if, if, I don't know why this occurred to me. I was going to ask if you wanted to get into the writing directing because something you said earlier sort of hinted at that. But um, what's what do you write? Like what kind of topic? 
Uh, well, I've got I, I've got a few projects that I'm working on now. I don't want to give anything away. Like sci-fi or no, no, and not period sci-fi, pieces. I'm, I'm not opposed to any kind of genre. Um, but yeah, I uh, I did. I wrote a romantic comedy that unfortunately uh, is on the back burner now because another actor, a more famous actor, wrote a very similar script, and they're making that. So that's that was. Uh, kind of unfortunate. And that's happened a few times. So I, I, where, you know, I'll write something and then literally, you know, the next week find out that somebody's doing it. And it's, it's, it's <laughs> like, it's, I, it actually happened with Maisel. I wrote a, a script right before Maisel about a, 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 a 17 year old kid who's a stand up comic. And he, this took place in the 1970s and he was performing in the village in the West village uh, behind his parents' back. And, uh, he was a Jewish comic. I mean, it was, it, it had a lot of similarities and, um, and then, and I, I'd finished that. It was, I was still tinkering with it, but it was, you know, it was, it was good. It was, it was funny. And, and then I got the audition for Maisel and I was like, Oh God. And I, I, knew, <laughs> you know, I knew I wanted, I wanted Maisel. And so I, I just decided, you know, all right, well, I, you know, obviously after I got Maisel, I can't make this. So, so that was that, but, uh, but yeah, it's happened a bunch of times where, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've basically come up with something and then, then somebody else, I wouldn't say steals it because there's no possible way they could have stolen it. But, you know, somebody else comes up with something, something very similar. Mm. And my friend recently said to me that I was cursed, but I don't see it as a curse. I, I see it as, as a blessing, to be honest. I just need to move faster. Um, so so yeah, so now I've I've got a few things, a few things that I'm doing at the same time so that if 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 another one, you know, is stolen, then then I've got another one right behind it. That's really interesting. I I always sort of wonder about that, but I think um actually you're right. I have a friend that sold a screenplay to a big production company and they were gearing up for pre-production and then another company came out with such a similar story that they're like, "Well, can't do this one now." And I guess that happens probably a lot more than, than I guess people ever talk about, right? Yeah. This, this last one was a heartbreaker because I, I had worked on it for three years. It was a, it was a indie film. Um, and, uh, or I was lining it up to be an indie film and, and, uh, we were looking for production companies and, um, it, it was great. I mean, it turned out great. I, I was really working on it and, and yeah, so we actually sent it to Amazon and they, you know, cause I have, I know people there and, and they, uh, they called back and said, you know, we love it, but, um, this actor actually just sent it out to, you know, there's a bidding war for his. And wow. I was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then I, they sent me, uh, the script, his script and, and I read it and it was different, but it was the same theme that, you know, and it's, it, it's hard to, I don't want mine to be the poor man's version of, of his. So, right. So it's, 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 uh, on the back burner for now. Well, you, you mentioned the studios, Amazon, of course. I I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Maisel sort of um, really put Amazon on the map as as like a production house because it's like this breakout sort of runaway hit, and they've had others since then. But Netflix, of course, was was around. Um, but then breaking out of the traditional studio mold, right? You've got NBC Uni and and HBO for years has been producing their own stuff. But it's moved away from, you know, with the beginning of Netflix, right? It's moved away from your traditional film studios, TV studios. And, and so the internet has been driving 
uh, so much demand for streaming content. And given your experience with working with traditional studios and now working with Amazon and online studios, is is it all the same from from your perspective, or is it has anything changed with as things have gone more and more for streaming only? Um, I I personally haven't noticed any difference. It's still all a business, you know. Um, I I with. You know, I've been lucky that I've worked on some really special shows, and I feel like on the shows that I've worked on, uh, the the creatives involved have kind of had free reign, which um, I don't I don't really know the other side of that. You know, I've worked on you had mentioned shows that I've worked on, like Boardwalk Empire and and um, Girls, and you know, and and Maisel, and and these are shows with. I guess, you know, people in charge who have great track records. I mean, Lena Dunham, you know, didn't necessarily have a track record, but she's clearly a genius and she knows what she's doing. And so mm-hmm. I think HBO is just like, go do your thing. Um, but, and, and Terrence Winter, who, who was the showrunner on, on Boardwalk, he had done Sopranos and um, he had a, you know, a great pedigree as well. So, uh, so yeah. I, and, and with Maisel, I mean, I think Amazon is just happy to be in the Amy Sherman Palladino business and, and they just kind of let her do her thing. And um, the show has, has gotten bigger and bigger every year, which is remarkable because I, I, I had no idea that it was going to be on par with, you know, game of Thrones in in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of kind of, I guess the scope of it. Um, I had no idea, you know, the first episode, I read it. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And, and then I guess when I showed up to set, you know, you see, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as big then, but you know, you saw all the cars and everything and you know that that's going to cost some money and you see what they're doing to building sets and, and, and stuff like that. And it's like, Oh, okay, this, this is going to be kind of big. Um, but then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, flying to Paris and, Miami and all this stuff and 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 just the the fact that they the sets that they do build for for Maisel now I mean you know back then they were in the pilot the 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 Maisel apartment um for example mm-hmm. you know we filmed it on the upper west side we filmed it in some uh building off of Riverside Drive and and they 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 renovated it and I guess it was kind of uh some old apartment um that they renovated and turned it to, into this this 1950s you know, huge apartment. Uh, but they, they, for, for the second episode, they rebuilt it in the soundstage. They like, they took all the measurements and they literally rebuilt it to a T on the soundstage. Yeah. So it's pretty remarkable. Well, filming in New York, filming in New York is incredible, is, is hard. We've already waited for sirens in this interview, you know, once or twice. Right. Well, um, yeah. So, well, you know, in a soundstage, you don't hear anything, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, and then it's just gotten bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, Wait till you see this season. I mean, it, I I can't believe some of the stuff they built for this season. It's it it blows your mind. Well, I'm very excited. So obviously, you know, we'll catch Maisel uh, when that drops. Go see you uh, in Trouble in Mind at the American Airlines Theater, playing through January, the beginning of January. And can we find you online anywhere? You said you don't like social media very much, but are you on? Yeah, you know, it's a necessary evil. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm at Michael Zegan at Instagram or on Instagram. Um, 
I would advise against following me on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't Instagram. really use Twitter much either. Um, okay, so the three closing questions that I ask everybody to wrap up the episodes. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? Well, like I said before, fear. You know, it's whatever scares me is is kind of what I want to move towards. Oh, I love that. All right. So then next question is, what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Patience is key. And just keep trotting along doing what you're doing. Last question. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? You're talking about a theater? Like well, play? you can interpret that as you will. I say show purposely well, ambiguous. Yeah, but a, a show, if it's you know a play, then it's the same show every night. And yep. if it's a TV show or something like that, it could change. You didn't say that it was... All know, right, so give me one of each then. Okay. Uh, oh, man. One show. <laughs> well, okay. I, I mean, I would say Maisel. Uh, I'm just, you know, I love it so much. Um, so in terms of TV, I, I, I could watch that for the rest of my life. Uh, but in terms of a play or musical, I mean, I'm just going to go Les Mis. I think I've seen that the most out of any show I've ever seen. I'm sure it would get old at some point, but, uh, but it brings me joy. Oh, that's wonderful. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I am on Twitter and Instagram at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating, review, subscribe, tell your friends. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Michael Zegan, thank you for the chat. This has been really fun. Well, great. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.